I don't think there has been a day in my career where I haven't been challenged on, on some level. But I think what's set me apart is that I don't come to the table expecting anything. I come to the table giving. It's about knowing what your vulnerabilities are and being accountable for your actions and your behaviors and being empathetic, not sympathetic, but empathetic. Imagining what it's like uh, for somebody different than you are uh, to be in their shoes, to walk a mile and, you know, a kilometer in their shoes, as opposed to you um, walking that mile. Welcome to the Leading Female Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca. In this episode, I had a chat with Nancy Didia, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at a research-driven pharmaceutical company called Beringer & Johan here in the United States. Her overall goal is to make a difference in the world and create a sense of belonging for all people. Her efforts earn her company national recognition in diversity and inclusion with numerous awards, including Best Places to Work for LGBTQ employees, for people with disabilities, female executives, and working mothers. We talked about how she became Chief Diversity Officer, how to best express empathy, as well as how their personal experience made her the person she is today. Her honesty and eagerness to help others makes her a true inspiration for all of us. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating if you feel generous. I appreciate that, and thank you for listening. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I'm really, I'm really thrilled to be here today with you. I'm thrilled to have you today. Uh, and so let's just dive into it. What do you do in your current role? Uh, in my current role, I lead the diversity, equity, and inclusion effort for the United States for Beringer Ingelheim. We cover a footprint of three key businesses, animal health, human pharma, um, and biopharma. And we have about 9,000 employees in the U.S., including uh, some of the uh, off-land, off uh, off the United States, like Puerto Rico as well. My role is to ensure that we create a more equitable culture and create a culture where employees can perform to their full potential with little to no barriers to success. So I'm kind of um, a a corporate social worker, if you will, uh, in some ways. So I I listen a lot and help others succeed. And so can you walk us through uh, your career path? Uh, How many, years you've been with the company uh, and your road leading up to that and how did you sort of get your first leadership role how Hmm. did you advance from there well uh, I've been in the workforce for more than 30 years um, actually and primarily I, I spent the majority of my career in financial services I really started more um, at a very junior level at an entry level. And I had a lot of interest in trying different things and doing different things. For example, I never, when I was a a little girl, said I want to grow up and be a chief diversity and inclusion officer. Those roles didn't really exist, right, when when you think about it. Um, So essentially, 
what happened was um, on, on the financial services side, I was interested in doing more. I started to see the way things were running. I aspired to becoming a supervisor, to managing people, and I challenged myself uh, to get involved with different projects and came to the table with different ideas uh, and proved myself in being able to lead those projects and make a difference. And progressively, I got more and more responsibility. I would say one of the biggest projects uh, that I was given was to turn around an operation um, at the former Chemical Bank, uh, which is now part of J.P. Morgan Chase. And that's where I got promoted to vice president. I managed a staff of 80 people uh, at the time. So for me, it was all about the people. And, you know, as my career progressed, I had a series of great managers, not so great managers, and I really decided that I wanted to be part of the fabric of the organization where you can make change happen. So that led me to HR. Uh, and it also led me to realize that I was pretty natural on my feet. And um, people listened to me. I don't know why, but they found what I was saying um, compelling. And they um, kept telling me that I needed to do more of this. And they kept giving me more opportunities to facilitate meetings, to train. And I realized that I needed to do much more organizational work. And that's how I moved into human resources and started to look at the impact of organizations on the employee and what really drives employees from a purpose and inspiration perspective. And that led me to this work, um, actually understanding the importance of people feeling respected, valued, and heard, and their need to have that sense of belonging. So um, I've been doing this work uh, for more than 25 years and uh, 15 at Beringer Ingelheim. It's very rewarding for me. Um, and it, it has been the most rewarding this past year and the most challenging at the same time. And uh, I'll talk more about that later. And so uh, thinking back uh, to your uh, career path, so what challenges did you face uh, while you progressed and how did you overcome those challenges? I don't think there has been a day in my career where I haven't been challenged on, on some level. And, and one of the key things is th that I never finished my undergraduate degree. So many times, um, whether it was external, when I was looking for new opportunities or internal, um, I didn't meet the minimum qualifications of having an undergraduate degree. And that made it difficult for me to, um, to try to move forward if business leaders weren't open to my equivalent work experience. So I always felt that I had to prove my capabilities and prove that the relevance of um, an undergraduate degree I would have achieved 20 years ago is not as relevant of, as what I've been doing uh, in a day-to-day -day basis in the company or in an organization. So one, 
trying to uh, differentiate myself from others, but also knowing that I was in um, a deficit position with respect to credentials. And that led me to uh, getting a certification in executive coaching. And uh, I tried going back to school numerous times, but for, uh, and I do have, uh, I'm halfway there to my undergraduate degree, but I had a variety of family and uh, issues and elder care concerns and very demanding jobs. And I couldn't do all of it at once. So I focused on doing my job and doing what I could do well. And um, it hasn't gotten in the way, uh, at least in the past 15 years, for sure. So um, since I've been at Baring or Ingelheim, and um, it's, it's really given me a whole new outlook. And I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't get college degrees, but what I am suggesting is that you can succeed without a college degree as long as you continue to demonstrate your capabilities, your agility in learning, and your agility as um, a leader. Uh, and, and to really be humble, I, I think humility and candor and honesty is the key to leadership. And you mentioned that you uh, differentiated uh, your, yourself as well. So what do you think uh, was the most important uh, skill that you had or the actions you took uh, that helped you? I think, um, I think part of it has to do with my style um, and the fact that I'm a curious learner and that I never come to a situation with uh, knowing it all, but rather <clears throat> offering what I think could be uh, an improvement or an enhancement to a current process, to a current way of doing things. Uh, but I think what's set me apart is that I don't come to the table expecting anything, I come to the table giving and offering. Uh, and that has, what, that has been what has set me apart, uh, coming at it, what I can offer the, the situation. Um, if, if a solution is needed, I come with several options or proposed uh, solutions. But I think that the coaching training and background has helped me to come at this in um, a much more, uh, agile isn't the word, but, but much more of um, in a collaborative way rather than a directive way. And part of that has to do with not just inserting myself, but asking uh, for people how I can support you or would you be open to hearing my thoughts around that? Uh, as opposed to just saying what my thoughts are. So inviting, uh, asking for an invitation rather than inserting myself. And uh, I tend to get, I tend to have gotten much more respect um, in that way. You mentioned the coaching training and can you think of any other way to develop skills that was useful for you? Well, certainly <clears throat> coaching was one of them. I've been through numerous um, executive development programs, leadership development programs, and any of these courses are only as good as your willingness to be vulnerable, to be open, to be transparent, and to allow some of those potential 
blind spots, if you will, or challenges or feedback that you've gotten through the years to really be put on the table. And uh, uh, it is, it, it, you know, I think it's, it, it's about knowing what your vulnerabilities are and being accountable for your actions and your behaviors. And I truly believe, uh, and being empathetic, not sympathetic, but empathetic, imagining what it's like uh, for somebody different than you are uh, to be in their shoes, to walk a mile and, you know, a kilometer in their shoes, as opposed to you um, walking that mile. So I think part of it has taught me, uh, the experience has taught me humility, um, the value of being vulnerable, um, the value of being humble and authentic and transparent. So you talked about that being empathetic is important. And sometimes people get into tough situations. For instance, somebody shares a terrible experience they had. And I think in these cases, many people are empathetic and they want to place themselves in other people's shoes and they do want to walk that mile. At the same time, I think it can be difficult in a way that what is the best thing to do or say at that moment? So what do you think is the best way to express empathy? Well, I, I think the, what goes hand in hand with empathy is listening. And I think we all need to be better listeners. Um, I know that even I struggle, given that that's my role, but especially for uh, people you care about or are concerned about, our human instinct is to want to solve or to fix the problem or to eradicate the problem. And the reality is that the individual may not need you to fix it. Um, they may need you to just listen and hear them out. And I think the, the challenge with being empathetic and a solver is that as much as you want to go in there to, to fix it or try to fix it, it's more important to acknowledge the, the pain or suffering or difficulty the individual is facing uh, through empathic words and uh, care and concern rather than um, not hearing the, the, the words and trying to just go after the situation. And in terms of when you're thinking back to your career and where you are now, can you think of a time in your life where you had to make a decision which uh, led you where you are now? Sort of saying yes to something or saying no to something, just uh, making that decision. It may be a tough decision, maybe an easy decision, which was a deciding factor. Do you have uh, something like that? Well, you know, the more the more I think about that question, um, there have been so many um, twists and turns, and uh, in in my life in general, both personally and professionally. But the one that was there, there were probably two that were the biggest wake up call and they happened in the same year uh, for me. And that was 2001. Uh, in 2001, I was diagnosed with uh, invasive breast cancer and um, that pretty much stopped me dead in my tracks. 
and six months later, 9-11 happened, right? And it, it forced me to think about what really matters and that life is uh, so fragile and can be taken away from us at any time. And I didn't know if my treatment was um, going to uh, help me live longer or make me sicker. I didn't know that. And even to this day, I mean, obviously I'm still here 19 years later, but I still live my life to the fullest as if there is no tomorrow. But I do it in much more of um, a caring way and much more of a worshiping way for my wellness and my body and my mind. So it, it's helped me to be more patient um, as a leader, to be more empathetic to others that are going through changes in their life with their family, with themselves. Uh, so it's, it's made me a better person, Rebecca, on so many levels. And, um, you know, I, I continue to evolve as an individual. I've learned so much this year about myself, uh, about the world, uh, about people in general. Uh, and it's changed my view on um, the world in, in so many ways. I have to say that I'm editing this in after our conversation. Her honesty and vulnerability left me speechless at the time. I can't even imagine how hard it must have been for her to get through this experience. And I'm very glad that she is healthy today. She is a true inspiration for all of us. Now back to our conversation. What does success mean to you? Success, uh, you know, that it's very personal, right? Um, it's very individual. So everybody around you can think that you're successful, but if you don't see it and you don't believe it, you'll never ever think that you're successful. So part of it is allowing yourself to accept um, the way that others see you and um, to try to see things from their vantage point. So not only is success um, being able to make change happen or to accomplish uh, certain things, you know, it, it's, it's not just about moving up, um, but it's about being valued, um, heard, respected, um, I think challenged appropriately. I know that I'm successful even when people reach out to me or ask me for input. To me, that's success, right? Uh, being respected and being sought after. So I lead my life in a positive way and believing that everything that I work toward is about being successful. And it's, it's much more on the positive side of things. So um, success also can be an awareness of a teachable moment and moving out of um, uh, a situation that you may not have been aware of and suddenly you learn something from it. That's success, right? Uh, so a lot of times we think of it <clears throat> in very materialistic ways or um, in ways of moving up the ladder, getting a promotion, 
all those things are fine, but at the end of, and they're material, right, or hierarchical, but the real impact of success is how you're received and how you're respected. So you can be a senior vice president, and if nobody respects you and what you bring to the table, then I don't think that's success. That's a great point. So now we are getting towards the end of our conversation, which leads me to my last question. So how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, well, um, I do eat three meals a day. <laughs> there, I try not to snack um, for the most part. So um, I try to eat very balanced meals, mostly um, a Mediterranean style diet, low fat, but you know, balance of protein. I, um, because I work out so much, I, I make sure that um, I take care of my body. So I get uh, deep tissue work done uh, to release some of the, the tension from not only my physical work, but my workouts. I uh, eat, you know, eat well, drink well, I treat myself. Uh, I limit the amount of alcohol I drink. Um, and, you know, try to keep that within the medical guidelines. Uh, I feel much better doing that. I, I can honestly say I didn't always do that my whole life. Uh, so adjusting little things um, in my life, I take lots of vitamins and supplements. Um, you know, living in the Northeast, vitamin D is one of them uh, to ensure I have enough there. So... Uh, and I make sure I have uh, the proper outlets for emotional support, so reading. Um, and my cat um, is also a source of my solace and relaxation. I love to cook. I love to read. Um, and I love to listen to music and, and cook. So I find joy in um, things that matter to me, like going to the sea, uh, going on a hike, and I make sure I try to get those into my life uh, on the weekends. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an honor to have you. Oh, Rebecca, thank you. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. Uh, it was a, a privilege and a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again very soon. I look forward to that as well. Tune in to the next episode to hear Nancy talking about how the future of work may look like and best practices of managing talent.